This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Duralast batteries are proven tough in the most extreme conditions. They're tested to start in 140 degree heat or temperatures of 40 below. Yep, they're that tough. So if they can do that, they can definitely perform for your nephew's soccer game. Work through a scattered thunderstorm or be dependable on Sunday afternoon trips to the grocery store. Because no matter what the weather's like, it's nice to know that you've got a proven tough Duralast battery under the hood. Duralast. Proven tough. And sold only at AutoZone. Hoods up, America. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I, I will not own Steve Smith this year. I, don't, I do not understand people drafting him. I just do not understand it. It's a fundamental, like to me, a misunderstanding of the concept of replacement value in real life NFL that they are drafting him. And Perriman has a chance to be the guy. And I would like to have some shares of him. August 19th, 2015. Uh, this is meant to be a compliment to all the stuff you can get on Rotowire. So go to rotowire.com slash football, get the draft kit, the projections, all the particulars. This is just going to be a general overview of how to help you uh, on draft day. And Liz, uh, we've had, well, let's see, one week of preseason plus the Hall of Fame game. So everybody's played at least one game. Um, any general takeaways? I mean, we've seen, you know, most of the, you know, key players and job battles and stuff like that, uh, uh, ha- have at least one token game. What are the big takeaways after the first week of the preseason? Uh, I don't really have any big takeaways. You know, there's just little stuff that happens. Kelvin Benjamin, obviously, we don't know the results yet. Had a left knee injury. It's a sprain of some kind. People say, oh, don't worry, it's only a sprain. Well, a sprain is a tear, and if it's a grade three sprain, that means he's out for the year usually. So we'll have to see. He may just be out for a week. Might not even be a big deal. Uh, but they always use the wrong terminology. I don't know. I'm just looking for injuries, and there's not really any job battles that have, have really shaken out. You look at the Arizona running backs. They signed Chris Johnson, not even guaranteed to make the team. David Johnson is finally practicing again. Obviously, they're not totally sold on Andre Ellington being an every-down guy. In Cleveland, you know, Duke Johnson's still not been practicing. They say they're going to ease him into the role. Could it be you know Isaiah Crowell, Crowell? You know, Terrence West is in the doghouse intermittently every other week with the, with the, the current Browns uh, regime. So, you know, I'm just looking at situations like that and seeing how they shake out. I haven't seen anything definitive, though, that where, you know, one of those things, one of those backs has emerged and become a starter yet. So I don't think we really know much that we didn't know a week ago. Right. I mean, probably the only really definitive thing that's happened in the preseason is the Arian Foster entry, which um, knocks him out maybe eight games, maybe less, but certainly out of the you know second round where he was going. Um, well, let me run through a couple of the just recent news items. You touched on a lot of them. Uh, how about LaShawn McCoy? I mean, hamstring could be ready week one. I mean, are you are you are you bumping him down? I moved him down a little bit last night because we didn't know, right? And so, so let's say someone has a draft this morning, and everyone's drafting at all times. I assume, right? That even if there's uncertainty, I don't wait for the result. I'll just say, where would I draft this guy? I'm going to move him into that region based on his projection. So I'm going to do it all the time. I may move him slightly up. I didn't move him down that much because we didn't know. Looks like he's ready for week one. McCoy, I'm just not a McCoy guy. 
Like I don't, I don't think I'm going to draft him whether or not this happened. I don't think this affects his draft stock that much to me. Um, you have a guy moving into a, what should be a bad offense, right? Because the QBs aren't very good. And that's how the offense goes based on how the QBs go. He didn't catch a lot of balls last year. Maybe he catches more this year. I don't know. There's also the notion that like some running backs come into the league and they're super quick and explosive. And I think Darren McFadden comes to, you know, comes to mind. Even when he was injured, he was still really good like five years ago. But now even when he's been healthy, he hasn't been good. So you wonder, you know, as you get more wear on your body, do you lose that first step? Do you lose that burst a little bit? And McCoy last year only averaged four yards a carry in a very good situation. So I'm a little nervous that he's not really the guy he was four years ago. He's had some pretty big workloads and I'm just not, you know, people taking him in the second round. If I'm in the last pick of the second round, man, you know, I'm hoping he doesn't come there. Cause I don't want to be faced with that decision. And I might probably just pass on him anyway. So McCoy and Benjamin, they're both had the injuries of the variety that I hate in the preseason where, you know, you see a tweet or a news report that said, you know, star player left on cart. Could be anything from, you know, nothing, you know, to season-ending ACL tear. You have to draft in five minutes. You've just seen that, uh, you know, one of these big players has left, and that's all the news you have to go on. What do you do? Are, do, you, do you skip him on, the, you know, his normal ADP position or the place you, you thought about well, you him? Definitely skip him on his normal ADP position. I mean, if you have Kelvin Benjamin, right, I mean, on your board, you know, you're in the third round where he would go in a PPR and you need a receiver – you just don't take him in case it's serious. Even if he misses three games, you wouldn't take him there, right? But if he goes to like round five because nobody wants to, you know, gamble on it, then you take him. And I'll end up with a lot of guys with uncertainty. Um, you know, Aaron Foster is a guy I would take in the NFC where there's, you know, 10-man benches um, in around six or seven if, if he slips because, you know, he may be a, a top 10 player for half a season. And, you know, I'm going to get something in there, especially in the 12-team version. I'm going to get something in there while he's out. I'll, I'll, you know, who are you going to take? People are taking like, you know, mediocre receivers in round seven. I, I would rather have somebody who could be a huge difference maker. So I'll tend to gamble on those guys. But yeah, of course, at their regular ADP, why take a chance, right? I mean, why would you even, you, you have to dock them for the uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. At the same time, the flip side is that, you know, when you skip on him, he ends up being a great player and it ends up being super minor, then you're just kicking yourself. But missing on a good player is not as bad as using an early pick on a bust and a guy who's hurt. That's definitely true. Yeah, you, I mean, and of course, I like to play it safe in first round. In the first round, safe, you know, there is no safe pick, but I like to go for floor a little bit more. So obviously, any wrinkle uh, would, would, would hurt that. Well, let's go through a couple other, new, other news items, just get a quick reaction from you. CJ Spiller, minor knee surgery, don't know what it is. Say, they may, say he might, might be back in week one. I mean, are you lowering him? I, I would, I, I'm kind of scared personally, but I lowered him. I mean, you know, it's funny because in the NFFC, I had a shot to take Spiller at that three, four turns PPR. Um, I, it was one of the leagues I had Le'Veon Bell. So having extra backs was good because I obviously needed a guy for two weeks and I just couldn't pull the trigger. This is before the surgery, before we knew about it. Um, I just, he, you know, look, he may be huge in, in, in new Orleans. This may be a perfect fit. And, and I've been on Spiller the last couple of years, but why is it? that every year, you know, in Buffalo, it was one reason or another. They're not giving him the carries. They, they you know, he, they should be using Spiller. Why aren't they using him enough? And then when they use him, he gets hurt. You know, there was just one season where it all came together when Fred Jackson went down. And it just seems like why, you know, with different regimes in Buffalo, this was, this was the case. And maybe they're all just idiots. And, and, you know, now Sean Payton will, you know, figure out how to use him. But I don't know. And then with this, it's just one thing after another with the guy. Some guys just aren't, you know, most human beings are not made to play in the NFL. They're not, no matter how physically talented they are. They're just not made to withstand the beating. And this is just the guy I'm, I'm probably not going to get unless he's again, if he slips at a big discount in round six, he's there. I'll, I'll gamble on him, but I'm not taking it around four where his usual ADP is. All right. Another, another uh, injury is Zach Ertz out for the preseason with a core muscle injury. They're calling it made reportedly a groin tear. Um, obviously, you know, he was a tight end that we kind of liked if you're working on taking it to top guys, but how, how does it, how does it impact the tight end rankings? And how's it, more importantly, how does it impact how we think the you know Eagles offense is going to flow this year? I don't think it really matters for the Eagles offense. I mean, he might have been a factor had he been healthy, um, but it's not like you know they're it's not like the Vegas line moves because Zach Ertz is missing the preseason, you know. But uh, I moved him down a little bit. I should probably move him down more. I, it's funny because I was in the uh, stake league auction. I was kind of waiting on Ertz. I had some money, and then I got into a bidding war on Dwayne Bow of all people. It is a sixteen team league, so don't. You know, act don't like judge. I'm, in, yeah, yeah, don't judge, you know, you don't realize I, Devontae Parker and, uh, who actually, I think there's been some good news. They, they took him off the PUP, I think Devontae Parker. Um, but, uh, 
or, or they might. I got. I'm gonna double check that and, and, and get back to you. But uh, they, uh, you know, Devon, I had Devonte Parker and Dante Moncrief, both of whom I love, is, is upside guys. But I needed a guy just to catch some passes, so I took Bo, and then I got priced out of Earth, and I ended up with Vernon Davis, and I was complaining about it to Jeff. And Jeff said he actually prefers Davis to Ertz. And I can see it because Ertz now, now, well, this is before he's hurt, but now he's hurt. So he's going to miss a lot of the training camp and the rhythm getting in sync with, with Bradford, which is big because they haven't played together before. And then, you know, Brent Selleck's there, you know, it's one thing when you know the guy's coming back to a guaranteed role. It's another thing when you're an Ertz or a spiller and you're missing all the preseason and you don't have a relationship with that team. You're going to be trying to start fresh in, you know, after missing, you know, working and getting in sync with the rest of your team. I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. Okay. Uh, Devontae Parker was activated at the PUP list, so you were correct there. Looked it up real quick. Um, and then, similarly, Kevin White out with the chin injury, maybe for the season, maybe not. Who knows? But he wasn't really high in our, our wide receiver charts. But what does that do for the Bears passing offense, which, again, is kind of a real unknown uh, heading into the season? I, I mean, Jeffrey's banged up, but assuming he's fine, which he's supposed to be, he's going to get 160 targets. You know, he's going to be one of those. It's just such a big thing to get 160, 170 targets. I mean, it's really hard to botch that. Even Pierre Garçon had a monster year when he got 180 targets. He's going to have a lot of targets there. You know, Eddie Royal probably catch 65, 70, maybe 75 balls for like, you know, 900 yards and six touchdowns. But in a PPR, Eddie Royal now becomes a relevant player, I think, as a result of the, uh, of the white injury. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, Martellus Bennett maybe gets a boost. I don't know that the Bears offense is going to be that different. I mean, Brandon Marshall was banged up last year. Cutler is what he is. You know, he can put up some, some big games, but he's just such a mental midget, it seems like. He's, he's, so, he's always so, I don't know what it is. It seems like he's just checked out, you know, like it's just like he's over it. He, he gets booed and he's just like, he's just like, I, I just feel like he just doesn't care. So um, it, it's, it's kind of fun, uh, an offense like that where they will sling it around. But then again, you have, you know, John Fox coming in and who the hell knows? I, I, I'm going to invest in Jeffrey. I'm not big on Forte. And, you know, maybe, you know, with a late pick, I might, you know, use, use on Eddie Royal and PPR. Okay, Chris, let's turn to the position rankings. But before we do that, let's give a shout-out to our sponsor, MaximumFantasySports.com. Do you enjoy playing fantasy football for cash but are tired of the same boring game offerings or websites keeping too much of the fantasy prize pool? If so, check out MaximumFantasySports.com. They have a variety of public fantasy football leagues with features no other website offers and pay out 90% of the prize pool. MFS hosts daily, weekly, monthly, and redraft leagues. That's MaximumFantasySports.com. Okay, so those, that's the news and notes and some things that have uh, happened last, at least the first week of the preseason and earlier in training camp. Let's, let's, go, let's go revisit the rankings again, see how any of it impacted it. Quarterback rankings um, probably haven't really changed much, much. Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, your big two. How does the rest of the top ten look? I mean, I have Wilson three. Um, you can argue that because he's a running quarterback and so many of his yards come from sort of that volatile aspect of the game that you'd rather have Drew Brees or Peyton ahead of him or Roethlisberger because it's more consistent, even if Russell's total points put him at number three. Um, you know, I think it's splitting hairs. I think Wilson, Brees, Matt Ryan, Peyton Manning, you know, Cam Newton, although we'll see what Benjamin status is, Roethlisberger, those guys are all pretty interchangeable. And I think you could group in Romo, Tom Brady. It looks like the hearing went well today. I mean, that's you know, from what I've heard, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if that got reduced. And anyway, it's so easy to find a replacement QB that you can get 75% of Brady's production for four games and the rest of Brady's production, the rest of the year. I have him in that, uh, in that tier. I don't, again, I don't have a good vibe on Tannehill, but it's really hard to make the numbers add up with the rushing stats and not have him in the top 12. And then there's Eli who, you know, Richard Cruz strained his calf, but I think it's minor. Um, assuming he's back from the knee injury um, and, and Odell Beckham's there. I, I just think Eli could have a huge year. So I think the top 12 QBs, you have really two big guys and then, you know, three through 12. I'm not really put it this way. I'm not reaching on Russell Wilson in the fifth. If I can get Eli in the eighth or ninth. So the one thing I've seen from my draft so far is that there is a class of people out there who believe that Roethlisberger is like a number three, like a big number three, because their defense is so bad. He's got good weapons, a wide receiver, and he's been going earlier in drafts. NFFC draft, he was the third receiver. I forget what, I mean, sorry, third quarterback. Pretty close, you know, around behind Rodgers and Luck. And I've seen some other reaches for it. So, I mean, how come you've got him eighth on the rankings? I mean, the, you know, three and eight are pretty close, right? I mean, if you look at the total points on the year, it's, it, you know, you, if you gave Rothsburg three more touchdowns or whatever, he'd probably be third. You know, it's not really a big deal. Um, but I just, I look, this guy's 30-something years old. He's been around forever. It's not like we don't have a really good baseline of who he is. He's a good quarterback. 
Uh, he may throw a lot. The defense may is probably not going to be as bad as last year, right? Um, Ryan Shazier was hurt most of last year. He's the first round pick from last year. He's going to come back. Defenses are very volatile year to year in terms of how cohesive they are, how they play together. I just think that like last year was the ideal. Last year was basically they had zero defense. Le'Veon Bell played, you know, 16 games. Uh, Antonio Brown played 16 games at a really high level. They had Martavis Bryant for half the year. He may be better. That may help, but I don't really see why it gets better. Right. And he was a top five or six QB last year, but you know, we, he's got a body of work over his entire career. And if anything, I think the circumstances are just ever so slightly worse because their D is probably going to be better than the abysmal unit. It was last year. And every single skill guy stayed healthy. I, I don't understand why people are so, you know, Oh, everything's going to happen just like last year, but Martavis Bryant's in his second year and they're going to throw even more. That's, that's very like, you know, 90th percentile projection. And we don't do 90th percentile projections. We try to do 50, 60, you know, we try to keep between 40 and 60 for most of these guys. That's true. I mean, you know, the other, other argument is that, you know, he's been around, he's consistent, he's been healthy for the most part, you know, so, you know, as opposed to maybe some of these other quarterbacks. Well, he takes more hits than most QBs, you know, I mean, he's more of an injury risk than remember he's a, he's a special kind of human that can, uh, well, he smashed his face through a, through a windshield that was fine like a week later, but that's, you know, look, he's a tough guy, but he's missed time in the past. He, he has had some injuries. He takes more hits than Drew Brees does. You know, he takes more hits, big hits than Russell Wilson does, you know? So I, I think that in a way, like he's a bigger injury risk than most QBs, although they're all pretty small risk these days. Okay. So let's just say you're going to weigh on a quarterback in the league and you're hoping for Tannehill or Manning as your fallback option, but those guys go too early or too expensive in auctions and you're, you're past the top 12. Then, then who are you looking at? Who, who's your, who are your sleeper quarterbacks or your guys that you're well, gonna just at least, you know, have on your team to get some production out of there while you've gotten values elsewhere? I mean, I think Rivers has a high floor. So if you just have to punt and end up with Rivers, that's fine. I think he's going to get his 28 touchdowns and, you know, 4,000 yards. I think you can just book that for him. And, you know, if you punt QB, that's pretty good. Uh, but if you're going to go deeper, you know, Kaepernick, we've talked about, it just should be a lot more wide open. Although I was talking about it on the show with Thornberry today that, Sometimes you're like, why don't they throw more? Like their team sucks. Like they're, you know, three and six. What do they have to lose? And the coach still doesn't, you know, it does. You think they should, and it all makes sense, but it doesn't mean anything. Why are they punting on fourth and three inside the 40, you know, when they're three and 12 and this is week 16, who knows It's the coach, you know I mean? We, we, what should happen isn't always what happens. So, you know, what should happen with Kaepernick is the defense sucks and he has to throw a lot. We'll see what actually does happen. But I do like him as an upside guy. Bradford's kind of climbing the charts on most people's boards because he's looked good this spring. I mean, obviously the system is good. Andy Dalton has all his weapons back. He's not a great player, but we saw what he did two years ago. I think he's got a pretty high floor with everyone healthy, 25, 26 touchdowns and close to 4,000 yards if people are healthy. Um, another guy I like is Robert Griffin. I just think, like, the guy's healthy again. You know he's going to run for a bunch of yards. And we saw he owns that season of 2012. He did that. That was real. He's got Deshaun Jackson, who's, you know, the best big play guy in the league. You know, maybe this thing opens up for him. Maybe he gets better. And if he doesn't, you know, you used your, your last round pick on him. It's, it's, he's a very you know, it's cheap acquisition cost. So I like RG3. I'm going to have a few shares of him. Yeah, he's he's gone for nothing in any every league I've been in. I think $2 in the stake, team, stake league, which is yeah, like a 16-team league, right? And um, very late in a lot of the drafts I had. So whether you believe it or not, the cost is, you know, he's not going to cost you much if he's a total flop and you can get rid of him pretty probably pretty early. All right, let's switch over to running back rankings. That's probably where there's been the you know, you know the most shakeup, although there hasn't been much shakeup of anything so far in the preseason. But um, le, you know, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, obviously the news came in that from three suspensions to two two games from from three games to two games for a suspension earlier in the year. That that moved him up to the top of your list. Uh, once you just go through the top four, do you still think it's a, a, a you know you think there's a solid top four when you're doing these uh, drafts? Probably in non PPR, it's a solid top five. I mean, you got to put Lynch in there. I just don't. I, I don't really see Peterson and Lynch are almost the same guy. I mean, Peterson can break a big run, but there's maybe two or three of those every year. So it, it's really you talk about a guy with a lot of mileage who's a bruising runner, um, who's you know unquestionably the guy. Uh, Lynch's team is a little better. Peterson, as I said, a little more explosive. They're very similar. Um, you know, Charles Lacey, Le'Veon Bell, those are the big five, right? Then you've got the question marks. I think Jeremy Hill in a non-PPR, there may even be a big six. I think you can almost move him up there. I think that he's going to lose ground in the passing game because Gio Bernard's such a good receiver, and that may hurt his overall numbers. But he's just such a rock in terms of the early down work and his situation and his, his you know, the, the fact that he's only had one year under his belt. He's still a peak 
effectiveness and health. I like Jeremy Hill a lot in non-PPR. DeMarco Murray, great situation. Obviously, he was a monster last year, but you just wonder after the workload and given how injury-prone he was and going to a new system. So those are kind of like the big seven. Forte is a guy I don't want any part of in non-PPR. In PPR, I hope someone takes him before me. I just don't want to I don't want to have him. I just don't like the situation, and he's got a lot of mileage. C.J. Anderson, he's been extremely trendy, and, and, and people really like the situation, and I get it. Uh, apparently Denver's uh, run blocking is, is better than their pass blocking I've read or heard, but we will see. I, I just the, the thing I don't like about C.J. Anderson, I think you and I talked about this, is if he fumbles or has a bad game or two, you know, maybe he loses the job, whereas if Marshawn Lynch fumbles or has a bad game or two, he's not losing the job. So you're basically paying a, a high for, I mean, a late first or early second-round pick on this guy, and he's a couple bad games away from losing it. And that, to me, is a little bit scary um, with such a big investment. Yeah, I mean, I don't like. I'm not. I'm not going to own Murray anywhere, given the workload, given the viable backup he has. And then C.J. Anderson, I like my first round running backs to have a clear lock on the job, and have not a lot of viable candidates behind it. And, and he has some bat, some people behind him. So, um, and then number ten, Alfred Morris. I, I end up with him in a bunch of drafts because yeah, he's unsexy and he doesn't do much in PPR. But the flip side of those other two picks, he, if he fumbles, he's gonna he, you know he's gonna have the job. I don't even know who's behind him. Yeah, it was like Matt Jones or somebody. But he, yeah, it's definitely his job. And he caught more passes last year. Maybe he catches 25 balls this year. And then he's not even that bad in PPR. Um, And he's just a rock. And he's been good. He's a good player. He's a good running back. And he gets goal line work. They kind of dicked him a little bit and gave like three three carries like the fullback a couple years ago. And that really hurt. But I think he's going to get most of the goal line carries. And very safe guy. In a non-PPR, I think, you know, Early third round is great. You get him there. I mean, I think that's fantastic. And PPR, though, you know, he slips to fourth and fifth. And I think you're in your fifth round. If you go on receiver heavy early and you're like, well, I can just get Alfred Morris and sort of bank that like 70 yards and a touchdown every other game at least, um, you know, as after stacking my receiving core, that's great. Uh, now, next at number 11, you have Melvin Gordon, who I, I got in the, the third round in the NFC, NFFC draft, which is a PPR draft. But you know, very excited about that. The only negative is that in the preseason we saw how he was taken out in third down, and another running back, you know, uh, you know, scored the touchdown instead. So, you know, anything in the preseason alter your your thinking as far as him being the number eleven guy? No, I mean that's I haven't based on the fact that he's not playing on third downs, right? You have a pretty good offense. You have a guy who's got a good pedigree, guaranteed the early down work at least to start the season. Um, you feel pretty good about that, but yeah, you, he's gonna, they're gonna use Danny Woodhead and, and maybe Brandon Oliver to a lesser extent on third downs. And that just hurts the ceiling. He's kind of a poor man's Jeremy Hill, right? I mean, it's like you like Jeremy Hill, everything about him, but he's got Gio Bernard there. It's just, you can't be as good as say Le'Veon Bell, who's going to catch 60 balls and, you know, or, or 70 balls, even in 14 games and get another six, 700 yards receiving, you know, that's just such a boost to your overall stats. And when you don't have that, or you have just a very modest amount of that, you just can't, you know, your upside at your ceiling is necessarily limited. Then number 12, you got LaShawn McCoy. His, his spot might be a little bit volatile based on his hamstring and news on his hamstring injury the next couple of weeks. Got Justin Forsett, Lamar Miller, Todd Gurley, Mark Ingram, Frank Gore, and then Carlos Hyde. Any, any of those guys really kind of you see fluctuating based on how they do in preseason games or something like that in the next week or two? Well, we're not going to see Gurley, and, and you know, there's a report. I hate these reports. I think it was Ian Rappaport. Somebody said, well, Gurley, the Rams don't think at this point that he's likely to play at all in the first couple of games, right? So it's like at this point they don't think it wasn't sourced. It's just like this stuff's such garbage. Like just do some reporting. Be like GM whoever on the Rams said that he doesn't expect. You know what I mean? Why, would it, why does it have to be anonymous? I, I don't, you know, why are these? I, so you don't, it could just be some like, you know, assist- the other way around that they want you to think he's going to be out the first two weeks, but really he's not or something like that. So. Right. And, and I mean, and what's, you know, it's not like some huge advantage. Oh no. You know, we don't know whether Todd Gurley is going to play three weeks ahead of, you know, it's just, they could change their mind anyway, but it, it's just so stupid. Just get someone on record. Who's so we know that the GM has looked into this, you know, that it's not just some like guy who's friends with somebody or, you know, we don't know. So I, I guess it's likely that they'll ease him in. You know, maybe he goes on regular season PUP and misses six games. Maybe he just, by week three, he's starting. Um, nobody really knows. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, volatile pick and, and one that, you know, if you're swinging for the fences, you can make. I really like Lamar Miller. I, I just think that Jay, uh, what's his name? Ajayi, yeah. Ajayi or whatever his name is. 
He's been banged up and really hasn't done much. So, you know, Miller's basically competition-free here. The thing that troubles me is they've never just trusted Miller. He had 5.1 yards per carry. He had 39 catches last year. And they still treat him as like, you know, oh, well, we're, we're still looking for our feature back. You know, they never treat the guy with the respect that he deserves. And that just makes me nervous. You know, the team just doesn't seem to say, Lamar Miller's our guy. You know, they seem to always be sort of, Hesitant. So, but I, I do like Miller's body work. Forsett, it's really trendy and the situation's good. I just don't know. He's a journeyman. He, you know, he's not very fast, not very big. Maybe he keeps it going. Um, Gore is, you know, so old, but he's in a great situation. That's kind of a very hard one to square, right? You either just go with the situation and his track record of being healthy the last four years, or you say, this is the year he falls off a cliff and stay away. It's a very, Gore is just a, a weird player a guy who gets that kind of situational upgrade but that kind of downgrade in terms of age it's just such a hard guy to sort of put into context yeah i like that he's a good blocker like he grades out as a really good blocker in the backfield and the colts desperately need that because their offensive line just has some holes so that'll keep him on the field even if his you know even if his production isn't that great and you know not, their backups are not world beaters by any means so i could see a you know a per play performance dip but nevertheless he gets the volume because he's just out there all year yeah, I mean, that's what you hope, right? That he, okay, so instead of, you know, four yards of carry, average 3.8, but he gets 45 catches and scores 10 touchdowns, you're like, that's fine. But sometimes when the per play dips to the point where he's just not effective, oh, the Colts are so stupid. They'll give, they'll give his carcass the ball probably no matter what he's averaging. Yeah, well, he doesn't, I mean, there's not like a, you know, it's not like they drafted a number two running, you know, a running back in the second round behind him or something like that. Right. You know, so, and then you got Carlos Hyde who, um, you know, you're not that high on, and I'm not that high on either, but I got him in the sixth round of the NFFC uh, competition. It's a PPR league, but nevertheless, I mean, a starting running back, you know, a guy who's got some upside, I, I was extremely happy at that spot. And I think that's probably where you probably take him too, right? If he falls to you in that area, that's oh, yeah. how we do it. Yeah, I don't like Carlos Hyde, but what do I know, right? I could be wrong. <laughs> this whole idea of like, well, I don't like him. I'm not saying, well, what do you mean? I, I don't, I got a Monte Ball, Ball vibe from him that he was sort of like the hyped guy and uh, didn't really blow anyone's mind, didn't, you know, eclipse Frank Gore for the job last year. Now he just inherited the job. You know, there's a new coach. Maybe, you know, if he fumbles or isn't that good, there's no reason to stick with Carlos Hyde. He's not some huge pedigreed superstar. He had a decent pedigree. He's a second-round pick. But, you know, so, so I agree. I'm nervous about him. But who the hell knows? Maybe he's good in round six, given the fact that he right now at least has a full-time job. Of course you take him. And then Joseph Franley of number 19, Tons of upside there, right? I mean, if he gets the job and he's the guy, that offensive line, that offense, um, you know, well, you that's that's it's sort of like you know you don't love the player himself, but the situation is couldn't be better. Okay, so I'm working on the snarky 150, and for Joseph Randall, Randall, I wrote uh, could steal you a title if you're in a bookstore. <laughs> okay, because he has a shoplifting problem. But the thing is. That's kind of a weird quirk, right? But some, you know, he just seems like, I think he was talking trash about McFadden earlier. He just seems like, I don't know mentally if this guy's got all together. You know I mean? To be a professional athlete, it's just like any other job. To do it at a high level, like, you don't have to be smart per se, like, you know, math smart or book smart, but you have to be like, have a, like sort of the right attitude. You have to show up for, time, show up for work on time, right? It's yeah, you have to like show up for, you know, you have to like learn the plays. You have to be disciplined as a person. You have to have some sort of like routine and work ethic and all that, you know, just like any other job. And I just, he might just be crazy, you know, I don't, I don't know. So he, I, I have this weird feeling. I think I might've said this before that the, whoever leads the uh, Cowboys in rushing is not currently on the roster this year right now. So, so we'll get, you know, they'll sign Ray Rice or something like that else. And that'll be like the yeah. week, week one waiver pickup. I could definitely see it because after him, I, you know, I just had so wished that the uh, Cowboys had drafted like a fifth round running back or something like that, where you could just be like, okay, when everybody else gets hurt or whatever, this guy will get his chance and then he'll take over. But that guy doesn't really exist on their roster. Yeah. It was like, remember Ryan Williams was on the roster. He got cut, you know, Lance Dunbar is like tiny. They don't, you know, really use him McFadden. I just, as I said, I, I think last time I said, I, we were in the stake leg auction. I read a note that, that uh, Randall had strained an oblique. It wasn't a big deal, but that's what I read. At the moment we we're drafting, McFadden comes up. I see that Randall's a little dinged up. The bidding goes to seven. I needed a running back, and I couldn't say eight. I'm just like, I just can't see it. So if McFadden's out and Dunbar just doesn't seem like they're even considering him seriously for the role, then it must be Randall. That's why Randall's 19 on my running back list and why everyone's drafted him aggressively in the fourth round. But... If Randall's not the guy, I just think then, you know, and there's a good chance he's not, then I just think it's 
going to be Pierre Thomas or Ahmad Bradshaw or yeah, yeah. who knows. Yeah, that's true. And then number 20, you got Andre Ellington. Did you did you drop him a couple spots uh, after after they signed Chris Johnson? Yeah, I moved him just a little bit. I just think they, they don't seem like he was great two years ago, you know, when he was filling in for Rashad Mendenhall, right? And then I think it was Rashad Mendenhall. I can't remember when he retired. I think it was. Uh, but... You know, and then he gets the job to himself. And I know he had a bad foot injury. And, you know, some people are saying that's just the only reason he wasn't good last year. But he wasn't good last year. And I, I think there's a sense of, like, remember Kevin Barlow? We put him on the cover of the magazine that year. He was, like, great as, like, a change of pace guy. Then, you know, Garrison Hurst left. And it was like, Barlow's going to get the job for himself. And we put him on the, you know, in the inset on our cover. And he totally sucked. And I, I, I wonder if, if Ellington's just way better to get, like, 180 carries on, you know, change of pace situation than to really be an every down back. And it almost seems like the Cardinals are, you know, are feeling that way. They, they drafted David Johnson and they signed Chris Johnson. And it just, I, it's hard to trust Ellington when it seems like his team doesn't trust him. Yeah, I just, I'm just worried about his health more than anything. I mean, that's, that's, so that's why I've t- tended to avoid him. Uh, so those are your top 20. After that, I mean, you know, who, who are some guys that stand out in the middle rounds for you? I mean, I should probably move up Latavius Murray. I'd probably take him over Ellington. So, you know, I should have the projections reflect that. It's just Oakland is just such, you know, it, it's just... People's careers go, you know, that's where you go when your career's ending. You know, Maurice Jones Drew goes there for a year, then retires. You know, James Jones is signed with the Giants. We'll see if he even makes the team. You know, it's just, that's where you go when your career's over. It's just so, it's just not a good place for a young running back to try to get started. Um, other guys, you know, there's a lot of buzz on Amir Abdullah. I'm probably not buying him at the price that, you know, that he's going to cost, you know, fifth round or whatever now. I'd probably sixth, seventh, I might take him. Um, but who knows if I were in a pinch, I didn't like the guys available, I might. Um, you know, Rashad Jennings is kind of cheap and he, I think he's the starter in New York and he's good. He's just probably going to get hurt at some point, but while he's healthy, he's always been good. Uh, he's kind of reminds me of sort of a poor man's Arian Foster, his running style. He kind of just slashes through and falls forward for two extra yards. He's good. Um, and then there's the Devonta Freeman, T- Tevin Coleman thing. Freeman's usually cheaper. I've ended up with him on a bunch of rosters. David Cobb's been a guy that's been rising on, you know, preseason draft boards. I don't know if it's legit. I hate Ken Wizen on, but apparently he looks good, and they don't obviously love Bishop Sankey that much. So, you know, he's a guy to keep an eye on, too. Yeah, I mean, I generally like a lot of these middle-round darts. You know, like you can get a couple guys cheap, the number two guys in, in some unmuddled backfields. And, you know, meanwhile, get some wide receivers earlier in your draft and hopefully a couple will, will pop. I think it's, there's still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of upside guys at running back this year. So, I mean, As there always is. Yeah. But, well, but this you year can get five of these guys and none of them pop, or you can get two of them and both. I mean, it's just such a – Nobody, this running back thing, remember last year was, oh, Carlos Hyde, that's the guy to get two years ago. Monte Ball, oh, no, Sean Moreno won't last the season. And it's always like Justin Forsett. I mean, some random dude that nobody thinks of busts out and, and is the guy to get. You know, a couple years ago was Zach Stacy. Nobody thought about Zach Stacy. You know, that I was. I had him. I had him as a bunch of. Well, two years ago? Guys. Yeah, because he, he oh. had great, great combine numbers and okay. good so, college. I mean, it could happen. Look, some years well, it doesn't happen, but I think collectively each year, if you. You know, if I my strategy is go wide receiver early and then just get a whole bunch of these guys and a couple of them pop, you have a monster team. But there are definitely some years where that strategy is a total zero and, and you don't get any running backs. But collectively, you know, if you go on a five, ten year span of doing that, I think you're you're better off. So well, and I, I, I think this I, year I think looks better than most years in terms of just lots of rookies, lots of guys, you know, in, in situations like that. You know, there's a lot of opportunity to grab those guys and the cost is not expensive. Maybe they'll rise here pretty soon. But some of these names you just threw out through the mid levels, you know, you can get three or four of those, five of those, with not with not a lot of you know, high draft picks or or auction or money in auctions. Well, I think the key is if you're going to do that strategy, is to get the deeper backups, like get Cameron Artis Payne, rather than the Duke Johnsons. Now Duke Johnson's probably slipped because he's he's hurt and he's had a bad preseason. But like, there's the trendy backups that are you know. Amir Abdullah, who's like, you know, in the sixth round, he's going to cost you. And there's like the backups that nobody's talking like about. Terrence West. Right. That's what I'm saying. There's the trendy guy and there's a guy nobody's talking about. Right. So I have get, Terrence West get, in a couple of weeks. I mean, I don't, I don't really like him that much, but he has a one third shot at the job and he only costs $1 in an auction. You know, that's how you, that's how you do it. Right. And, 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 and so what I'm saying is it, it almost like if you're going to go wide receiver heavy early and then maybe get an Alfred Morris in round four is like one back to sort of lean on. And then get some tight ends, get your QB in round seven or eight, you know, get one of them that you like, you know, and get, you know, maybe a couple more receivers with upside like Devontae Parker. You can get your backup running back super late. You can get Terrence West, Cameron Artis Payne, you know, Matt Jones, a couple of those guys, 
And in a way, like they're just as likely as any of the other backups to do well. So it's like, why pay a premium for the trendy backup? Because to me, like backups a backup, right? I mean, it's just, you're, you know, I guess it's a little better to have a Devonta Freeman or somebody who's got a share of the job at least, right? Than just a pure backup. But once the guy's a pure backup, just get the cheapest one possible. Yeah. Or, or the one in the best situation, you know? So, um, all right, let's switch to wide receivers. Um, you know, not a lot of injuries and stuff so far to change up. I mean, your top five, Des Bryant, Odell Beckham, start number one, number two. Although you were going to take Beckham as your first overall pick in your NFFC league if he was available, but he got taken. Well, that was PPR, right? PPR. So PPR, you're going Beckham over Bryant. Then. So let me look at the PPR rankings. Okay, so the PPR rankings on wide receiver, I'm sure I have Antonio Brown first. Oh, I have Demarius Thomas second, actually. You know, there's sort of a like professional obligation to, like, give the, you know, I'm doing projections. So, I mean, Antonio Brown's projected for 111 catches, which is a big downgrade from last year, and it's more in line with what he did two years ago. But, like, you just can't project Beckham for 111 or even 100 because it's just hard to get 100 catches. Uh, and so, you know, the numbers just make Antonio Brown the overwhelming PPR guy. And then Damaris Thomas has just done it for three years in a row and so heavily targeted by Peyton. But personally, those guys are all very close. You know, between Brown, Demarius, Beckham, Dez, and Julio Jones, those five are so close that I kind of feel like just take the guy you want. You know, and I was going to take Beckham because A, he's a giant, but B, was that NFFC league, and I hated my draft slot. I was drafting second. I thought I was going to get Beckham, and I thought I'm going to swing for the fences. I mean, Beckham's per play numbers and, and, you know, per game numbers just destroyed all these guys last year, even Antonio Brown. And so... You know, the ceiling is, is is off the charts. Now, realistically, it's just impossible to sustain that. I mean, when you're better than Jerry Rice was at his peak for 10 games, there's just no, you know, that's just unlikely that you're that guy. But it's likely that you're pretty, you know, good to, to be there. So I feel pretty good about all those guys. And I, I think, you know, if someone said, well, would you trade Odell Beckham for Julio Jones on Twitter? I was like, it's a coin flip. All those guys, they're all, they're all perfectly good. Okay, so that's your top five. That's kind of, a, a, you know, maybe the first tier. And then after that, you have Calvin Johnson, Jordy Nelson, A.J. Green, and then Alshon Jeffrey, who we talked about before. Um, those kind of the same altogether, you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I had Jeffrey sort of in a tier below, but with Kevin White going down, it, it's, I just think he's going to get so many targets. He just, I don't, he's, he was a little out of, fo- he lost focus last year at times. And, you know, John Fox is a terrible coach. And I'm just worried about Cutler losing focus. I just think there's a little bit of a disaster potential for the, the Bears in general this year that worries me, but not really. I, I had him in the Mike Evans, you know, Randall Cobb tier rather than the A.J. Green, Jordy Nelson tier, but you're splitting hairs there. I mean, we're talking early second to mid-second. All those guys belong. All right, so then 11 and – sorry, 11, uh, 10 and 11, Evans, Cobb, 12, DeAndre Hopkins, 13, Emmanuel Sanders, 14, T.Y. Hilton, 15, Jordan Matthews. I took Jordan Matthews, you know, in the, at the end of the second round of my NFFC draft ahead of Mike Evans – um, you okay with that? I mean, is he, do you think he's in the upside category that, you know, like if you're swinging for the fences, he's in that category? Yeah. I mean, look, you got to understand these are projections, right? Which are sort of the middle of the road projection for everybody. And you just, it's hard. I gave Jordan Matthews 80 for 1091 and nine. That's a pretty strong season for a guy who hasn't really, you know, he's just, he's never been the number one guy getting all the coverage and everything. We just don't know. I mean, there's just some unknowns there. Um, whereas T.Y. Hilton's done it for a couple of years and Emmanuel Sanders had a monster year last year. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins had a big year last year, and Randall Cobb is in green. But, you know, so the guys ahead of him have all done it. Now, it doesn't mean anything, really. I mean, it doesn't change what's going to happen this year. And Matthews, I think, has – if you were to make me a bet, like, you know, if one of these guys is top five, you win. You know, if your guy's top five, you win. If my guy's top five, I win. Otherwise, it's a no bet. I would take Jordan Matthews over Mike Evans because I think Jordan Matthews has a better chance to be top five. Now, when you project somebody, which these rankings are based on projections, you can't say, well, you know, who's, who's, you know, best possible season is better. It's whose entire portfolio of possible seasons is better. So I have Mike Evans ahead of him. I might take him ahead of him, but I really can't fault you for drafting sort of with the upside in mind, with their best possible seasons in mind. So the, really the first, you know, sort of two tiers that, you know, that generally go in the first two rounds Usually, usually ended with Kelvin, Kelvin Benjamin as your you know, 16th rec- you know, receiver. You knocked him down to, uh, or four, sorry, 13th receiver, but you, or 14th receiver, but you knocked him down to number 18 with the injury. Maybe he'll go back up again. That's really kind of like the top, the top tier. Then after that, you have Sammy Watkins, Golden Tate, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, I guess, would be the one guy that would jump out, especially if it's PPR, right? Yeah, I like him in PPR, and I, I bump him up a little bit in PPR. I give him 87 catches, and again, he could get 105 catches. I mean, this is just, he hasn't done any. He was hurt last year. 
We'll see. You can't project a hundred for him, but you can easily get a hundred. Um, I, I kind of feel like, you know, the, the top sort of the top guys ended 15 at Jordan Matthews. That's where it ends. Right. And then Watkins super talent, but who's throwing him the ball. Now you don't need to have a great QB throwing you the ball. The AJ Green's done just fine with, with Andy Dalton. You don't need to have a superstar QB. You just need to have a competent QB. And that's the question. Are they going to have that in Buffalo? If so, Watkins should be fine. He's also a little dinged up. Golden Tate, you know, it's just hard to be better than, you know, top. It's hard to be in the top 15 when you have a dominant number one guy who is going to get so many targets in Calvin Johnson. So that's why he's a little bit lower. He's a very good player, though. Kelvin Benjamin showed up out of shape. Now he hurt his knee. We'll see. Um, Brandon Cooks we talked about. And Keenan Allen is 20. He's just kind of by default there. But I don't think I'm going to have Keenan Allen where he's going. I just I do not see him as a lock to be the number one receiver in San Diego. I do not see it at all. I think maybe he comes back as the guy that was a rookie as as a rookie, but it's now we're two years away from that. And if he doesn't come out strong right away, I, I think you're going to be in big trouble. You know, it's one of those things where you know, you like to draft receivers early because you just leave them in your lineup and you don't worry about the fluctuations. If you have Keenan Allen and he has you know three for forty in week one and two for sixteen in week two. Now you're no longer starting him every week. Now you're in trouble. So if he has a big week in week three, you just blew that. You didn't get it. He's a guy who's dangerous enough that I don't, I'm not comfortable with him. Yeah. For those very reasons, I'm skipping him as well. All right. So mid rounds, let's just say you did take go with running backs early and now you're kind of going in the middle rounds, trying to put together two or three receivers. Who are the guys you like sort of in the middle, middle of your rankings here? Well, in a PPR, I actually like Brandon Marshall because I think he'll get targeted, you know, and, and Fitzpatrick's good enough. We'll see what happens when Gino comes back, but it's good enough for Marshall. We'll, we'll see. I think he can catch a lot of balls. Uh, same with Jeremy Macklin. I don't know about the touchdowns there, but he's going to catch a lot of balls. He's going to get a lot of targets. Uh, but in a non-PPR, Martavis Bryant stands out. Um, they said he's the third receiver with Marcus Wheaton being the starter, but who cares? I think Bryant, you know, it, it, that, that's a big upside guy who can catch double-digit touchdowns um, if things go right. Deshaun Jackson, non-PPR, great. PPR, not so much. He just never gets the volume. Uh, and he de- depends on big plays. But in non-PPR, those touchdowns, you know, he'll, he can get you eight, nine touchdowns. Uh, I like Victor Cruz this year, but, you know, we'll see with the calf injury. Uh, it's, uh, it's not great that he had another injury, but it sounds like it's not that serious. Allen Robinson's been trendy. I like him as a second-year size-speed breakout guy. I think that's, a, you know, a, a decent pick if he slips in some drafts. Um, I like Dante Moncrief. I like Devonte Parker. We just removed from the PUP to Devonte Parker is a, you know, early to mid first round size, speed, dynamic, superstar receiving prospect. This is the kind of, you know, he may not be AJ green or Julio Jones right away, but this is the kind of guy that's the game changer, right? The guy with both size and speed and the Dolphins don't have anybody like that. They have a one dimensional speed guy in Kenny stills. They have a possession guy in Jarvis Landry. They have a bunch of other uh, spare parts, but this is the number one guy. And if they're serious about contending and they sign Sue, this is a team that probably expects to you know, make the playoffs this year. Um, they've got to get Parker involved. And if he's good and he shows that he's good, I think he will be. So that's a guy that I have in a bunch of teams. Yeah, like both the Colts backups have said it before. Philip Dorsett's another one. I mean, rave reviews in camp. And all you need is one injury or Andre Johnson to you know, really tail off. And suddenly they've got you know, big, big roles and you know, potentially the best passing offense in the, in the NFL. Um, how about, and another sleeper I like is Devin Funches, who I, I would imagine you'll probably move him up a little bit. if. Uh, well, he hurt his hamstring today, too. So just when Benjamin got hurt, he got a little dinged oh, up, too. There you go. There you go. But nevertheless, assuming these, none of these injuries are major, um, you know, he, he, he was great in college, great, you know, looked good in college, had terrible quarterback play, and has a ton of opportunity in, in Carolina with, you know, a number, the number two wide receiving option, you know, kind of wide open. Um, who are some other late-round guys you like? Let me throw out a couple names at you. These are guys that yeah. showed up in my drafts where early before the preseason started, I never, you know, their names were not called. Lately, they've been called. Uh, Brandon Coleman. I mean, who's going to be the third wide receiver in, in, New, in New Orleans? Yeah, I, I moved him up a little bit last night just because I guess he should be higher on the list. Um, but um, I don't know. You know, I don't even know really who he is. I mean, I guess Nick Toon is not, you know, penciled in. I mean, he's just, he's not really anybody. He could easily surpass Nick Toon. Colston's old. Cooks got hurt last year. He's a speed, you know, small speed guy. Uh, yeah, maybe Coleman's worth a look. What about Josh Huff in Philadelphia? Uh, and you know, by the way, Coleman's 6'6", 225, just for what it's worth. He's not especially fast, but he's gigantic. Yeah, so maybe red zone guy. How about Josh Huff in Philadelphia? How about like sort of the, you know, third, fourth, fifth, you know, Philadelphia options that could get involved in that offense? Yeah, you never know. I mean, he, um, <clears throat> apparently he's had a good rapport with Sam Bradford. And you get a new QB. There's no real relationships yet. So 
Uh, he's looked good in camp, but there's, you know, you know, Aguilar is a first round pick. Jordan Matthews is poised to be the guy. Got a couple tight ends. They're throwing a Sproles. I mean, it's, yeah, maybe. It's it's wide open enough that, you know, late rounds I would consider him. And your absolute last dart, $1, last pick in the draft is still Terrell Pryor. Is that you're still sticking with that one? I keeps getting, this hamstring problem is really a problem. I mean, he's got to get in there and practice. So it's it's bumming me out a little. Hopefully he comes back this week. Yeah, I, I mean, the guy's 6'4", 230, runs a sub 4'4", um, and they don't really have any good receivers there. I mean, I, I, I still like him. And he's going to be in on some trick plays where he throws the ball a little bit. He's going to probably run the ball somewhat, you know, much more than your average receiver. I just think it's just such an upside play. I love it. Um, so I like prior. I also like, you know, it's kind of obvious, but Cody Latimer is the number three in Denver. Who's pretty cheap. Usually um, he should be the number three at least. Um, and uh, believe it or not, I kind of like Hakeem Nicks. He may just be done, but he was a really good receiver in New York. And He's running with the ones sometimes in Tennessee. I mean, you have Justin Hunter who basically was like involved in some, what was it, a hit and run or something? I mean, he was involved in something bad, Justin Hunter. And then you've got Kendall Wright who's been kind of a bust, but he's just a possession guy anyway. Uh, and then you have like Doriel Green Beckham who may be too raw. So Knicks may end up starting. I mean, there's a chance he does. Yeah, although he was, you know, he had plenty of opportunity last year in the Colts and just didn't really do much. So, but who knows? I think he's been hurt a while, but I think, you know, if he were ever to just sort of finally be healthy, he was really good on the Giants. He was always hurt there, too, but when he was healthy, he was good. All right, let's switch to tight end. Obviously, Gronk's in a tier all by himself. He's going to go in the first round. That's what he's going to cost you. Um, how, does, how, does, how does tight end break down for you after that? I hate Jimmy Graham. I mean, I just, I'm not taking him where he's going late second, early third. No way. Not in Seattle. I, I think he's going to be blocking, you know, a lot of the time. It's just, why are they not going to revamp their whole offense? You know, they, they've made the Super, they could have won two Super Bowls easily. Kelsey, I like, um, but again, it's just the, the hype is kind of ridiculous. I mean, th- they didn't use him enough last year, and everyone thinks, oh, well, this is the year they're going to finally figure it out. Who the hell knows, right? Greg Olson's rock solid. I think very safe. I don't know if there's any upside at this point in his career. Martellus Bennett, I like. He's my number five, and I may even move him up a little because without Kevin White, you know, Eddie Royal is a little dink and dunk guy, but like Martellus Bennett may be kind of their de facto number two threat and may catch balls. You know, Cutler's got a, still got a big arm, you know, may catch a lot of 15 and 20 yard passes. I really like him. Ertz, I'm going to move down. I, I moved him down a little, but I think I need to move him down more. But then after that, it's all just a crapshoot. I mean, Jordan Cameron, can he stay healthy? Who the hell knows? Jason Witten's really old. Delaney Walker, it's another quarterback who knows how they're going to connect. Vernon Davis, I really like. He's my number 10. I should probably move him up. I just, I, I'm, I've got him so much higher than anyone in the industry that I feel like is, there's no need to move him up, but maybe I should. I would take him ahead of Delaney Walker and maybe even Jason Witten. And the rest of it's just, you know, I, I like Tyler Eifert, the fact that he's the only game in town there, a tight end, and he was a first-round pick, and he's, he's finally healthy again. So that's another guy I'll probably have in a couple leagues. Yeah, he's the guy I took in my NFFC list, where I, NFFC league, where I basically punted tight end and, you know, just wait till the very end. And I, I, I like that. I mean, I don't know if I really will have great tight end production, pretty risky, but he's an upside player. He's getting raised in camp. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like if you're not going to go Gronk a tight end, you might as well go Tyler Eifert and just punt and get get the value elsewhere because they're all they're all just the same, you know, to me for the most part. Yeah, I, I, Vernon Davis has been that guy for me. You know what else is interesting is just punt and get Ladarius Green and then figure it out after week four. You yeah, know, you could just right. – yeah. I just don't trust – like the idea that, oh, Gates is out, Green will be the guy. Like I just don't trust things like that. Like that thing is maybe he'll be the guy. Like it just, you know, they say, oh, no, we're just going to call the same plays and run him in, in, in Gates's place. But they say that, but does Rivers trust him as much? Do they actually do it? They might do it. I'm not saying they won't do it. It just, I'm not counting on that being the case for four weeks. Yeah, and I like Kyle Rudolph too, as a, you know, if you get him for nothing because he might be a red zone. Everybody guy. likes so, that guy, but he's never, I mean, he got hurt uh, last. He's not healthy, but never pays you know, him. If he, if the, if the cost is cheap and he's healthy for five weeks, he might get, you know, three touchdowns out of him. Um, all right, well, that's the tight ends. Let's talk about some of the rookies that we, have, you know, we haven't really touched on. Uh, Amari Cooper, I mean, uh, he's, where do you have him? Any, anything changed in the preseason so far for, for you? No, uh, you know, I'm, I'm down on him because I think people think that De- Derek Carr is good and I think he sucks. And then that obviously affects his receivers. And so I don't have really an opinion on Cooper. I'm sure he's a good receiver, but I just think th- people don't realize like Derek Carr was not good last year. He, I, I told you this in the last podcast, the difference between Andrew Luck, who was the number seven YPA QB and Andy Dalton was number you know seventh overall to eighteenth overall last year, was smaller than the difference between Blake Bortles slash Chad Henney, the Jaguars QBs at number thirty one, 
to Derek Carr at number 32. I mean, I don't know if people are wrapping their minds around that. The difference between the total dog shit, can I say that, dog shit QBs in Jacksonville and Oakland was bigger than the difference between one of the best passing games in the league and an injury-riddled disaster of a passing game in Cincinnati. If you wrap your mind around that, it's very hard to say, well, it's going to be fine in Oakland. <laughs> He's going to have a, it, it, you know, people are worried about Sammy Watkins because it's going to be Matt Castle slash EJ Manuel. Why are people not, you know, so much more worried about Amari Cooper? All right. How about Nelson Aguilar? Touchdown catch in his first game. Looked kind of good. I mean, the change. I don't care about that. I mean, yeah, look, he's a first round pick. He's in the mix. He's could be good. You know, I mean, it's just, he's a, he's a dart. How about Rashard Perriman? A little, little dinged up, I guess, in the preseason, but still a chance to, uh, you know, get a big role here. I like him. I mean, the, the MRI came back clean. Obviously, he has to practice and get you know into the swing of things. But like, I don't. I do not understand people drafting him. I just do not understand it. It's a fundamental, like to me, a misunderstanding of the concept of replacement value in real life NFL that they are drafting him. And Perriman has a chance to be the guy. And I would like to have some shares of him. All right. Then the last prominent rookie we haven't talked about already is T.J. Yeldon. I mean, does, is he is he a dart running back for you? Well, he's not a dart because he, he's in the fourth or fifth round. You got to take him. But I, I have him in one league. Just I don't know who he is. I don't know anything about him. I mean, he's in Jacksonville. He's supposed to start. They, they like Denard Robinson. I mean, Denard Robinson was good last year, but they didn't like him enough, so they drafted a running back. But I have no idea. Who is TJ Yeldon? You, you know, P? <laughs> well, I'm just, you know, I know, I know that the Jaguars have had the leading rusher in the NFL at some point in the last few years. Uh, but uh, in general, I'm not going to invest. In I mean, who, who is, offense. who is TJ? He, he's, he's six one two twenty six. He's big, but I don't, you know, those big backs that are tall also like they, you know, they kind of upright, they take more hits. Alabama backs have not, you know, Lacey's been good, but Trent Richardson was a disaster. What was it? Mark Ingram, Alabama too. Yeah, it's been sort of a mixed bag. Well, sometimes, sometimes it's you know they have a great offense and they have the best offensive line. So is it is it the running back or is it the offensive line? I mean, so the the, the guys they have at running back are obviously high recruits and big pedigrees from from high school recruiting, but and have measurements and com, you know decent combine right. numbers. But sometimes it's not them that, that was that was you know that was doing the damage. It was the offensive line. Yeah, I, I just I just don't know. So like you know he's a, he's like Carlos Hyde to me. Like he's a starter. I, you know, I kind of value them similar. Like, like they're both starters, ostensibly. Maybe it'll go well. Who knows? I just don't know. All right, so that's a wrap for the rookies. That's a wrap for the, you know, for for the podcast podcast, the draft kick podcast. Uh, we'll do this again next week after another uh, week three, well, week two of uh, preseason, third set of games after the Hall of Fame game. So we'll uh, do this again next week and hope you help hope to help your draft.